Hey there, I'm Graham Parker, and you're listening to the Around Pickens Podcast. Folks, I'm going to give you a couple of numbers to think about. There are 34,000 people that call Pickens home. Our county government alone has about a dozen departments, 20 boards and authorities, and a whole mess of other elected officials. Needless to say, we might not be the biggest county in Georgia, but we get our fair share of questions from residents about nearly every topic you can think of. Whether it's about what to do with old paint, open records requests, or concerns about the future of cryptocurrency mining, we get questions of every stripe. But can you guess what the number one line of questioning is, no matter the time of the year or whatever else is going on in the county? Roads. I guarantee you, whether you think about the government a lot or a little, you use the roads. And you probably have some pretty strong opinions about the ones you frequently use. With over 400 miles of county-maintained roads, and who knows how many privately maintained ones, there's no shortage of things to be improved. But how does the government decide which improvements to do? Who makes those decisions, and how do we pay for it? These are all common themes in the questions we routinely get, so that is why this month we sat down with both Chairman Chris Stansel and Public Works Director Kirk Anderson to parse some of that out. Our conversation covered a number of big-picture topics, like how we work with GDOT and acquire grant money, as well as some of our most frequently asked road-related questions. Hopefully, you'll come away from this episode with a bit of insight as to how these decisions get made, but if you find you still have a few questions, check the description for some additional resources. As with our last episode, this discussion ran a bit longer than we're used to around here, so I'm going to forgo the calendar portion of the show. However, as always say, you can find a full list of county government meetings on our website, pickensga.com, under the upcoming meetings section. And if you're looking for some fun community events, your best resources for that is going to be on the calendars of visitpickensga.com and nopickens.com, both of which get regularly updated. And this is a great month for events, whether it's this Saturday's Veterans Day Parade, the Chile and Brunswick Stew kickoff, or the Holiday Tour of Homes, there is plenty to do. So, be sure to check out those websites for all the details. But now let's tune in and see what we can learn about the, how the county works to improve our roads. Well, Chris, Kirk, I appreciate you sitting down with me on this busy day at the Admin Building. I think in some way or another we've all been in meetings today. But uh, it's good to have you guys. Uh, I know any viewers who have seen the first episode of the Around Pickens podcast it might kind of feel like deja vu, talking to Kirk the first time about paving roads. But we're uh, in kind of a different position than last time. I think at that point we were sort of wrapping up work over on Grandview, but right now I think that the paving projects are really in the thick of things right now. So how do things get pushed back to where they are right now? Well, it started off with our bid process. It took a while to get the bids out this spring, something that we're hoping to address next year. Um, I'd like to get our bid out December, January. If you get get late, getting your bids out, it pushes the bid process later. It puts you on the schedule later. This time we got a big company and they, uh, they take on a lot of work and more work you take on the later it can run due to rain and whatnot. So it's the whole process. It just got pushed off really later than I would like for it to be in, but shouldn't have a effect on the end product. They're, uh, they are a big company. They thrown a lot of people at it. So they're on pace to really, get us knocked out in pretty short order we're looking at probably getting done around thanksgiving with with both of our big projects that we've, our big contracts we've got going on okay well good i think that's what most people want to hear that it's not going to hold up anything that we're doing and those storms didn't affect anything at all no the storms the storms affected us as county more than it did the contractors the contractors that you know 
we contracted with them in the spring to come in and do this job and you know this is their their sole um, project for us so the storm didn't really have that much of a setback on us now us as a county it really set us back on the paving that we were trying to do we do chip seal we try to pick a road and do chip seal um, at least one road a year and it kind of threw our plans out the window because we just had to drop everything go to picking up uh, trees and getting our roads open back up and i think with um you know with the contractors coming in it, it was it was something we typically would want to start around august and it was october when they started but the amount of rain that that uh had happened over the summer while they were working on others that kept pushing their projects back that got them in here but the pace that they've been paving at on uh starting on cove road i know at the time we're filming this that that they're they're approaching the the completion of cove road with with getting that Completely done, and that was with adding a, a leveling coat to to come underneath it, so that road should be in in really good shape uh, before they kind of move on through the the list of projects. I know um, recently a, a a big conversation about Jerusalem Church Road was was brought up, and Jerusalem is on this this list. There's a lot of patching to be done as it's being paved, so it's going to be the final project that they do um, in in probably November when they when they get midway through. November. So I think that'll be a, a, a huge asset. Those are two of our longest roads. Uh, they're both about eight miles long. So we're, we're tackling, kind of doing major repair on two of our longest roads in the county, both in the same calendar year. So probably our, a couple of our most traveled roads. And I know Cove Road is, and probably Jerusalem's right there, you know, yeah. second, I would say, in Hill City, which we got last year. The only road that's longer is Henderson Mountain, and uh, we've we've had to keep putting that one off a little bit while we try to find a way to improve the the way the water lines are because the water lines are underneath the road and and there's a lot of friction with the rocks. So um, that project's one that we keep trying to to get on the schedule to pave, but we don't want to pave it and then cut it right back up and then um, have have issues with it right off the bat. So that one we'll still be working through, but that's that's our biggest longest roads that we're we're trying to trying to address as we're going through. Um, well, given the timeline you were just talking about with the bids, have you thought about which roads you're going to be paving next year? Yes, we compiled a list uh, soon after we did the bid last year, and uh, I generally get a list of the ones that I kind of suggest and hand it over to the commissioners, and they they kind of tweak it. And we go back and forth as far as you know which ones uh, we're going to do, and um, before we finalize it, and then. There's always the money at the end of the day. We got to see, you know, kind of how much money we're planning on spending and then, you know, tweak what roads we're going. You know, we may have to cut a road, put it off till next year. Um, but, yes, we, we have got a list together for next year. I know um, Jones Mountain Road is one that, that's in dire need. We're probably going to be looking at doing some kind of patch and replace on it, similar to what we're doing on Jerusalem. Um, new process we're looking at next year is uh, a micro surfacing it's uh it's a little bit different than anything we've done before it's a resurfacing it's not as thick as what our normal asphalt is and it's not as expensive we can do about three times the amount of area with it as we can on regular paving and we're looking at it on some of our less traveled roads to where we can be making some improvements on them and make them last longer you know, we're not expecting 25 years like you'll get out of an asphalt road, but you know, if we can 
get 10 or something like that, 10, 12, 13 years and, you know, seal them off and get them back in better shape and, you know, kind of hold off spending that big money on them. Uh, it allows us to use our big money to do some of these major roads, but that's something we're looking into next year. I'm, I'm kind of excited about it. I don't, I know it's not real exciting to everyone, but I'm excited about it anyway. I think with, with what Kirk's talking about, that, the, the ones that don't have big trucks on them all the time that don't have the heavy weight that's traveling, it's not as much just the amount of cars that are going, but the weight of the vehicles that are going on them. So some of your subdivision roads or well-established areas that aren't major uh, thoroughfares, uh, there's the ability if they don't, if they're not in disrepair to a point that you can't, then uh, we're hoping that, that that'll do it. And like he said, that's, that's three times. So for every one mile of road we could pave with asphalt, we'd be able to do three miles of road with that for the, for the same cost. And, um, I think it'll be a neat, a neat project where, and that's where we've, we've, because it's new, when we come up with what is our paving list for next year is we've got to get that, that estimated pricing when it gets closer to time where the bids will, will know uh, a closer figure as to what the, the cost per mile is. Um, that'll help a lot. We get lots more bang for a buck of we, taxpayers. We have, we have no shortage of need for roads that need to be paved. Uh, there, there's, there's definitely a, a, an abundance of need for, for roads that are there, and we're aware of that. When we get the call, I mean, you get angry people that are calling frequently about the condition of the road that they, they live on, and, and we're not insensitive to that at all. But at the same time, there's a limited amount of funds that you can invest. So we're trying to, to band-aid the ones that we have to band-aid until we get to the point where we can spend enough to 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 work on those. But at the same time, the the ones that, that do create some safety issues or safety hazards or if they're just falling apart to where they're they're difficult to travel, those are the ones that we're having to, to tackle first, the, the heavier travel ones. Well, I think it might be helpful to talk about funding. That's not really something we covered last time. How do you budget paving for new roads? Where does that come from? So there, it's a combination of two sources. Uh, one is what's called a, an LMIG, uh, Local Mileage and Improvement Grant, that comes from the State Department of Transportation. That's part of your fuel tax that, that's paid, and it's spread out throughout counties. They award that based on your total number of, of miles of roads. So approximately 400 miles of roads and it, it is averaged around six hundred thousand dollars for the last couple of years that comes from that grant that they provide for uh improving improving your roads the remainder is uh through splost uh the splost that was passed in 2020 actually allocated 50 percent of the total amount of spots collected to go toward um those those type projects toward public works it does buy some equipment and there's not 100 percent goes into paving but the vast majority of it does go into paving and that generally is around $3 million a year. Um, it's based on sales tax, so it can go ebb and flow up and down. So each month you receive the, the previous month's sales tax that, that comes into there. So that, that one penny sales tax goes in and those two combined figures kind of give you your estimated budget of, of what we're spending uh, on a regular basis. So uh, that's 3.6. And then if we have a year where we're a little bit below, we can take and reinvest some of that into the following year. Um, to, to try to keep consistency in the amount we're putting toward paving each year. The, the problem with that is the paving cost didn't stay in the same. Just in the last three years, we've watched it rise 25, 30% in, in total cost, not only on availability of asphalt and things like that, but the cost has, has gone up quite a bit. So 
the, the revenue hasn't increased at the same pace, same pace that the, the cost has with inflation, similar to all of us at home. I mean, the cost of groceries has increased higher than our salaries. So um, we deal with it on a, on a different scale with, with county government, with county budget. And I mean, we're just adding zeros, but it's the same concept of what people are having to deal with when they're, when they're doing their home projects. It's just, uh, it's more costly to do. And we're trying to be really efficient at how we manage which ones are going to have the biggest impact on the on the community, um, and it's you know the nature of the beast is for every one that you've made happy because you're paving their road, you've made ten more unhappy that you didn't pave theirs and you chose another one. So it's 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 kind of an impossibility to to do it all, but trying to pick and choose which ones are going to have the bigger impact. And then each time, you know, Cove Road, for instance, the the Corinth Church Road is a, a small short stretch of road that that's needed resurfaced for for a long time and it, it was a minimal amount of, of, of paving, but we were able to do it while the crews are, are working on Cove. And we try to do that each time we, we hit an area. So when Jerusalem church is, is being paved. Well, like, uh, which I can't remember the name of road. We're doing that offshoot on Ray mountain. There's a sec, yeah. we're not doing the whole thing on Ray mountain, but, um, there was a section there toward the end that has been giving us problems ever since I've been here. So, you know, while the crews are right there and it's just adjacent to it, we were, we got crews to go ahead and do that, you know, while while we're there. We're, you know, moving a whole paving company in to, to do that little stretch of road doesn't really make sense because a lot of the price is just getting the equipment there. But, you know, while they're already there working, we try to get a lot of the little offshoot roads while you know, they're there. Also, while we're talking about SPLOSH and SPLOSH funds, um, it's really a godsend to us on a lot of our major problems, not just paving, but you know, even these big pipes that we put in um, there again, it's just something that the price had just went up just astronomically on. So, you know, we even like our um, these big cross drains and we use splost on a lot of our day to day projects that really help us out um, in the long run to keep it from coming out of our main budget. Um, those splosh is really a help to us on all fronts, not just equipment and paving. Right. I agree. I think that the uh, that one of the things he's when he talks about splost, I mean, it's fifty percent it, of that is going toward paving, and that's locked in through twenty twenty six. So we know that that splost was approved in twenty twenty to remain in place till twenty six. We're in the process now of trying to plan. Okay, what next? What is our our next steps? We can continue to try to 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 seek a referendum and and the voters to to continue that, or is there ways that we can do more? Um, there's, there's a variety of different sales tax options that counties use throughout the state of Georgia and one's a transportation splost referred to as a T splost, uh, which is a separate penny sales tax that then would double the amount that gets put into roads. It, it, it's one of those things you would be able to, if, if the two were passed together, you could pull out your 50% that you're putting out of your splost toward roads, use a hundred percent of T splost to go toward roads, and then you can divide that other um, SPLOS money into other projects that the community has said that they've seen. Recently, we had a conversation with Parks and Recreation of being able to increase the funding into to capital improvement fund projects for them. Um, the you know municipalities with with needs that they have, desiring an opportunity to increase the the funding that they have, along with other you know public safety is 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 also a big part of SPLOS. So I think we're trying to work on preparing what would be 
a best next step on how do we do, how do we provide this better? How do we, I mean, if you could double the amount of roads we're paving versus paving 16 to 20 miles of roads, if we could pave 40 miles of roads a year, we can actually get on a, a schedule for resurfacing to where we can maintain a schedule of, of, of what time we plan to do it. Right now, when we're having to just fix the problem areas, we can't really get to a true schedule uh, of how to do that. So I think um, that's a, that's in the, the, the plans for how do we, how do we move to the next step? How do we, how do we genuinely take it to, to where it needs to go and, and trying to protect property taxpayers. I mean, it, it's roads. So people driving through your roads, if they're spending money in sales tax, then that gives them an opportunity to contribute toward it and not put the burden on the back of the homeowners uh, throughout the county. And that's, that's kind of one of our big goals. How do we fund these things without, while we can continue to roll back millage rates and continue because um, that's it's just it's costly and trying to find what is the best way to best way to invest those funds. Yeah, a lot of variables there. Yeah, yeah, it is, it, and it's just not a cheap process. I, I mean, paving is uh, it's just an expensive process as a whole. Yeah. Well, you know, part of my job is to field questions from the public, and I get some that reoccur having to do with roads. Um, one of which we kind of already touched on, folks who want to see paving come to their dirt or gravel roads. If I'm understanding it correctly, really, you guys pick two big roads you want to work on. Work on those main arteries, and then if you have some additional resources, you'll branch off from there? Well, I kind of look at it as two two separate projects. We usually do our, our quote-unquote summer project, summer paving project. That's, you know, that's our contractors, and then we as the county, we try to do a couple of dirt roads a year, change them from dirt to chip seal, and that's something that we do in-house. And um, it's a real efficient way, you know, to get get the road paved, you know, get it to a better state. I mean, it's not asphalt, but it's, it's a lot better than a dirt road. And we this year we did the western side of Damascus where we're going to do all of Damascus and the way the storms hit and that's where we had to kind of drop everything and go to cleaning up storms. But as far as like price, um, like our chip ceiling, we do that in house. Now this number doesn't take in, you know, our labor and our equipment, but as far as like the price per lane mile for us to do chip seals, $35,000 per lane mile. If you do regular paving, like what we did on Cove road for one, like an inch and a half of asphalt, that's $93,000. So that's three times the amount for uh, a contractor to come in and, and actually lay down asphalt. So uh, there again, we get pretty good value for our time and effort on that. And that's something we try to do in-house. I think when he's talking about the in-house, one of the other things that, that people don't always understand is they think you can just come chip seal it as it sits. And most of the roads that that could happen to have already been done. I mean, not all, but a lot of the ones that are wide enough or that they that you could just come in and resurface it, um, those were done earlier. And then the more difficult ones are the ones we have now. And that's where you don't have enough width. I mean, you need it. Typically, we would want 20 feet of, of actually surfaced road uh, to have two lanes where you could go through there. 18 is kind of the minimal point. We've had to, to, you know, have a couple of spots on, on some where it narrows in a little bit more than that. But I mean, that, you set that minimum standard because you're increasing the speed um, whenever that road 
probably the traffic flow and the speed both go up whenever that road gets a new surface top on it. And so to keep it safe, you really need to make sure two cars can go, go through those areas. That's one of the main things. And that, that involves if, whether there's enough right of way, whether the road's in a place to where you can, even if you have the right of way, is there, is there a mountain on one side and a steep drop off on the other? Cause that, that affects it. Uh, are there utilities? that are there and, and getting those utilities moved. We've been working on trying to prep a road now for several months just to get it ready to be on next year's list. And, and it's requiring some pretty major utility relocation and, and some other things like that with getting the right of way established to, and an easement to, to put the road on. So it's, it's, it's not like we can just take the equipment and go out and as it lays, it's, it's, it's done. I mean, I know that, that People, people sometimes think, but we want the base to be right. We want this stuff to last. I don't know if you look at, at some of the projects that Kirk's crews have done in the last couple of years, they've, they've, they've just significantly improved. It's not just a, a resurface, but it's, it's either wider or cleared out better, smoother. Um, and that's the goal is each time we do that. And right now we're, we're a little less than a hundred miles of, of dirt or gravel roads in the county. So if we keep chipping away at one, you know, one or two miles a year in that, we continue to, to narrow that down to, to where we get to the point that either they just can't be because the type of condition the roads or the, the residents on them want to live on a dirt road. So um, trying, to, trying to weigh those wishes because sometimes you have a road where somebody wants it to stay dirt and somebody on the other end wants it to be paved. And yeah. uh, we, we have plenty of need out there, so we're 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 typically not jumping into the ones that are creating controversy to invest so that somebody's mad at us for paving their road when I've got you know twenty other streets that are begging us to pave theirs. So it's a it's a challenge, and and Kirk's office gets the calls on a on a daily basis, and and I think our post commissioners do a great job of trying to pass on the wishes that that everybody reaches out to them and to me as well with with making sure that all of us are reaching out to to Kirk and his staff and saying, "Hey, what about <laughs> this road?" So, yeah. I don't know which one he dreads getting more the calls from us or the calls just from the general public, but it, he gets them from both. So we're we're constantly trying to to stay on top of it. Yeah. Well. Man, I'm again. I'm impressed by the amount of variables. Clearly, this is something you've got to put a lot of thinking into before you, you go into Definitely. it. Definitely. Well, I want to touch back on something you were talking about, which is the flow of traffic. Another frequent question I get is, um, "Hey, people are driving too fast. So I'd like to get some speed bumps or maybe a child at play sign." Is there a process for people to go through to request something like that? <laughs> Both of us want to point and say, "Call him or call." <laughs> so. I'll tackle the first part of it and I'll let Kirk get into some of the specs on, on that. Uh, speed bumps, I believe, is one of the, the probably the most called about things. Um, if we put one on every road that somebody had called, you wouldn't be able to drive in, in Pickens County without having to go over them constantly. One of the issues with speed bumps, um, or not one of, but probably one of the biggest issues with speed bumps is the safety issue that they can cause. If, if the speed is traveling too fast on a road with a speed bump, then it creates more of a safety hazard than the speeding car creates. And so it, it, it creates that issue. You have the noise complaints that come with them a lot of times when they come in. Safety is, is one of the primary. And then the reduced speed that it requires in order for a speed bump to safely be placed onto a road. The last time I spoke with engineers on this, 15 miles per hour was the, the max speed that they recommended anything with it and it not be on a, a pass-through road. So it limits where those can go because we don't want to create a traffic issue, Eric, a safety issue by putting something and trying to stop 
the the speeding traffic that's going through there. Um, we've been reaching out to other counties because we've received engineers' reports that have recommended against putting speed bumps on county roads. Uh, we found some counties that have an ordinance that just flat out prohibits it. We found other counties that have some pretty stringent uh, requirements that even to the extent of special tax districts for certain roads for them to pay for the speed bumps to be installed. I mean, it, you've got one extreme to the other extreme of, of how they're done. And so we've been continuing to try to look at what is the best case model before we put any more out. Let's make sure that we're only putting them out in a very safe manner. We're only putting them out in conditions that engineers will support that it's, it's the way that it needs to be done um, so that we're not creating a more dangerous situation. I think a couple of places that the, they were requested and then they had them and then the noise became a bigger issue because the car is bumping over them, um, it disturbed their peace. And, and then unfortunately, some people like to get up against the speed bump and then lay drag and, and, and commit another traffic violation that's there. So it's trying to, trying to weigh all those options becomes a, a big, big challenge to make sure that we're following it. So I know the board has, has kind of had the staff reaching out, trying to gather, and we've pulled some ordinances. Some of the smaller counties really don't have specific ordinances, so we're having to take some larger county ordinances that, that, are, that aren't really the same size, they aren't the same makeup, but we're having to try to use that as a guide to look at how do we, how do we pick this apart? You know, there's, there's speed humps, there's speed tables, there's speed bumps, there's what we typically see around, around the county now that were installed years ago are really not designed for roads, they're designed for parking lots. Um, that's the, the yellow speed bump that's got spikes and, and things of that nature. They're, they're designed more for a parking lot that you're traveling at five miles an hour when you're going through, not on a road that's 20 to 25 miles per hour. So we don't want to continue doing anything that's going to be less safe, but in the, in the, the same time, we know that we're receiving plenty of calls that there's, there's issues and problems. So we're trying to formulate what that ordinance will be that's, that's for the county. And we've been, I know that anybody that's listening to this that's called in the last, this has been ongoing because we've been in, in constant conversations with engineers as to, okay, once we've received an engineer that has told us, no, we don't recommend it. If we go out and put it out anyway, then that liability falls on us because we, we didn't follow the, the recommendation of a, a state engineer. Um, and so we're trying to make sure, you know, how are, how are other counties doing this? What are their engineers telling them? What are the safe manners in which the, the way we can do it? Signs are similar. I mean, when somebody wants a sign, just putting in the request and the recommendation, we can go and, and then do a, a moderate study, I guess, of, of the area to see is there, there a need, is there a way, is, where would it be able to sit, is there right a way to put it on and, and, and start to improve it that way. I know on the, the child at play signs, we no longer put those out. The state's kind of getting away from those, and we kind of follow their lead on those. So um, we don't usually put out the child at play signs anymore. That's just the way it is right now. What what are some common signs you would put up? Um, about anything else. <laughs> <laughs> we, 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 we use stop ahead signs now instead of painting it on the road yeah, is, is a more, but you know, the, some of the other safety things, uh, if there's every now and then you'll see conditions where the road is, is un, unlevel, we'll try to put something that warns motorcyclists of, of an unlevel road condition that's coming up or a bump that's coming up or, um, things of that nature. Something that the state has been doing, I've noticed instead of doing like a blind drive ahead or something like that, they'll put like hill blocks view. And we've been kind of following suit on that as well. 
um, to you know just try to slow traffic down before they get to a driveway that doesn't have real good visibility. And we've been working with trying to certify some of our roads as well, and and the process of certifying them is so that law enforcement can actually then conduct traffic on those roads that they can enforce the speed limits. If a road is not certified, they can't use radar. They can still monitor for stop signs. They can monitor for a lot of things, but not necessarily using speeding um, radar devices and things of that nature. So we sent in a list. It's been several months ago now with, with, with four or five new roads that we've had studies done. We've, we've met the requirements. We've put the signs up. It has to go through the State Department of Public Safety and the State Department of Transportation to be approved before they then send back that they've been certified so that that can, can be a, an enforced uh, limit. We've not received those responses back yet. It's, it's just a slow process. We have followed up a, a few times and we're working through an engineer who's working with the state agencies and trying to say, look, we need to we need to get this ball rolling because those are the people that are complaining. I've, I've, I've got email threads from residents that We've told them at the time we submitted the state study, hey, we've sent it to the state. We're waiting on them to approve it, and then we're, we're still sitting and waiting. So it's uh, And it's not that we haven't followed up. We just haven't got a, an answer yet, and that would free up the, you know, the sheriff's office to go out and actually do traffic enforcement in some of these areas that we're getting those calls uh, in, those, in those spots slowly. Well, I know working with the state is always a process. It is, it, and, and I'm not. I'm not bashing this. They're overwhelmed because they've got 159 counties that are all sending them these different things, and they're doing studies. So it's not a. I don't know where the holdup is. I don't know is it in the the DOT side or the DPS side. Or you you just look at it when you send those things through, and and we're just at the mercy of of getting that back. It's a state law that requires them to be certified, so we can't yeah. violate it. We just have to follow the procedures that are in place. Um, I've heard of some that go through really, really fast, and I've heard some that are that are slow. We actually had these resubmitted um, probably four months after we submitted them originally, just in case something had went wrong in the submission, and they just haven't they haven't responded back on those four yet. But we're hoping to to get an answer on those in the in the near future. So that's our goal, anyway. Well, fingers crossed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if I could ask you something, I think is less technical, more um, more ordinance related. Um, the last commissioner's meeting we had, some folks had requested uh, part of the county road system be made private. But we've also gotten questions the other way around about making private roads part of the county road system. What what are the requirements to take that on? So, and it's specific in the ordinance. If you go to the ordinance, in order for a road to be uh, adopted and made public, it has to meet the minimum standard that's there and that minimum standard wasn't always there that's why there are some roads that are obviously not going to meet this requirement now i think in 2005 is when that ordinance was put into place and it deals with the amount of base that has to be there it deals with the amount of asphalt that has to be there the width and the right-of-way um and and it's very technical in terms of the specifics so i'm not going to go through but if those roads then meet those conditions and they've been established for a period of two years then the county can then go back and, and adopt those into the county road system and then take on maintenance of those roads from that point um it's it's to not overburden taxpayers on new roads that don't meet minimum standards so it's it's typically meant for uh, subdivision developments and things of that nature when a subdivision is being built 
those developers are to, if unless it's going to maintain them as private roads and, and have an established HOA that's going to maintain their own roads, it's designed for them to build them to the county specs. Once they've been established and built out and all the construction's completed, then the county would come in, inspect it, make sure it's good, and we would take over it. And we're in the process of that with one subdivision now that, that did it that way, and uh, it was slower to build out, but then once they've, they've surpassed the, I think their HOA covenants required 80%. Once 80% of the, the subdivision was developed, then they would pursue having them adopted. And they're at that stage now where they're requesting us to adopt them. And so that inspection's going on. We've got others that just weren't built to, to specs. They were built, um, unfortunately, developers built subdivisions during a time right before the economy turned. And then those developers went away and they didn't form a, an HOA. And there's not an organized group. So these private roads that exist that don't meet any of the criteria. And that's what we've received several responses from, from people that live in those type of an environment saying, what can we do? Um, and the, you know, the option one is to, to, to form an HOA, start to pull up those funds, get them to the minimum standard, and we can. There is a, a, an option of us working closely with them to, to try to create, for lack of a better term, a special tax district, for instance, that then those people would pay in so much at a time until the, the, the funds were there to fix those roads to get them to the standard that they could then be adopted. Um, and it's it's frustrating, I know, for people that, that are there. It's one of those things that when you're doing due diligence on buying a home, especially if it's on a private street, is making sure there's HOAs, making sure there's a way that those roads are being maintained and taken care of. And that's just, uh, it's, it's a difficult lesson. Some people find out the hard way when they move in and they realize, okay, nobody's maintaining these. And we're trying to, to be sympathetic and offer them the different options, but if there's not an organized HOA, it's hard to get all of the members of an area to agree that, yeah, we're willing to, to have for a certain period of time an additional tax that's going to pay for this. Um, but by law, it would be the same if I went on a private road and put uh, county equipment and county workers working on a private road. It'd be the same as if I went to somebody's driveway and started paving their driveway. Um, and it's just prohibited. It's, it's forbidden by law. We can't do that. So that's why we have to have a standard and you have to meet that standard. And, and that's what we have to stick to. On a, on a regular basis, but it is a frequent, uh, frequently asked question, especially from just a handful of areas. There's a handful of subdivisions that, that kind of came during that era where, where developers either went under during that time because of the, the economy or they, they just packed up and left. And so it's, it's kind of forced a difficult situation from, from a decade ago. And it is unfortunate and we're not, we're not unsympathetic to it. And we have a lot of people that move in you know the, the realtors haven't been real forthcoming about who takes care of the road and you know how it's being maintained even outside of the subdivision you know some of our um, dirt roads you know at past a certain point it goes to private and there might be eight or ten houses it's built in there they buy a house back in the back and there's never been an agreement as to who takes care of the road between the end of county maintenance and their driveway um, you know, in a perfect world, they would all pool funds and, you know, buy a couple loads of gravel a year, hire a contractor to come in there and fix it. But unfortunately, it's not a perfect world and you don't have everybody that wants to, you know, chip in. And, it, and unfortunately, it usually falls to one or two to keep it up, you know, on their own. And it's not fair, but it's uh, unfortunately, it's what a lot of them have bought into unknowingly. Yeah. Well, let me ask you, for somebody moving into Pickens County, um, are there any resources or recommendations you would give them to avoid getting into a situation like that? 
they're free to call us. Um, you know, we've got a list of what's county roads, and we, we've got a list of all the roads in Pickett's County. We can tell them whether they're private or public or, um, you know, if it's in HOA or private community or whatnot, we can um, definitely tell them, you know, that information. Um, well, and just looking at the road signs uh, is the first. I mean, if it's a green road sign, a standard green road sign with white lettering, and it's publicly maintained road, um, unless it's some altered for a gated community that may have put something in that, that type of look. But private roads are marked with either a blue sign with white writing or the old ones were white with green writing. Um, but those are, are private roads. Then they would just need to find out, is there an HOA that maintains it? I mean, that's, that would be questions that they just need to ask while they're in that due diligence phase before moving in is to say, who maintains these roads um, and and go dig and research. You can go look and, and, I mean, if you were really an investigator, you could go to the clerk's office and pull the deeds and look at the deed on the property and see, you know, kind of who, who it is that's listed there. But uh, typically just making a phone call to, to Public Works or, or to our office, one, we, we maintain that list over here as well. Ours probably isn't as updated as his, but um, that way we can check every time one comes in and, and verify hey, this, this one is public and, and we do maintain it or it's not. So, uh, and it's just a difficult, but I think that's everywhere, especially when you get to rural counties, you see it more and more. I mean, it's, it, there are private roads in, in the community that, that some want to remain that way and some wish that they could find a way to get there. But the cost of getting it to a minimum standard is, is not inexpensive. I was like, as Kirk was talking about the cost of asphalt just a minute ago, that $90,000 per lane mile uh, for an inch and a half of asphalt, well, a two lane road's two lane miles for every, so you're $200,000 a mile to, to, to put an inch and a half of asphalt. That's assuming nothing had to be patched or no repair work had to be done. That's just flat out asphalt. So um, that's not a simple fix. Some of these that are in major disrepair need major milling work, base work, all that, and then asphalt on top that can, could easily hit the seven figure mark for, for larger, for a larger subdivision. So that's where it becomes challenging. Um, and that's where we're, we're bound by law when we can't put our equipment on those private, private community, private roads. So. Well, I'd like to turn the conversation back to working with the state. I know, um, from time to time they step in, they make a decision to alter state routes coming into the community. I'm curious to what degree, whether it's something big like what's happening with Highway 53 or even something smaller like making a roundabout, how much are they in communication with local governments and to what degree does that affect the work that you do? Um, as far as the work that we do, um, we kind of operate as separate entities. So if, the, you know, anything they do, I mean, they're working on their road, we're working on our roads now. When we have a storm or something like that, we work with the local guys to help get, you know, everything cleaned back up, open back up as quickly as possible. Um, a lot of times we'll, you know, we'll help them. You know, we may haul some stuff for them. They may load some stuff for us. What well, you know, we work, try to work together to get get everybody back at, back at home and get the roads opened up as quickly as possible. But um, as far as the projects, I mean, we get surveys uh, sent to us, you know, for big projects coming. And then um, we interact. We try to have a roads meeting every couple of months, and we have representatives from the state, and they kind of update us on what projects are coming down the line, and we, we can get some feedback to them on that. Um, 
a lot of them, you know, a lot of it's out of our hands, but, you know, we try to put our two cents worth in like everybody else does. I think it impacts sometimes with, with like utility relocation, water lines. One of the major projects that, that was done two years ago with the roundabouts on the, the west end of the county, there was a water line that, that was part of that project and they kept moving one piece at a time instead of moving it all at one time. That being they shut everybody's water off every time they would move those people, that one line, they would shut everybody. So there were people and businesses and, and people who had disrupted water service for extended periods of time that, that we we try to work with them to, to prevent that. I mean, our, our goal as county commissioners and as, as employees of the, the, the county is to take care of the citizens of the county. So anytime there's something that's interfering is to constantly try to work with how do we prevent that. So, and then you live and learn the, the next project that they come, you, you realize what happened the first time. And we say, no, we can't, we can't agree to this unless this is, this is fixed. So that's been, uh, one part of it in, in going through. And, 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 I mean, the public outcry that they, they we're the closest form of government that, to reach out to. I mean, we're walking in the grocery store and, and walking around this, we, we're not hiding in, in, in another city. So I think we're the, we're the easiest to come to. And then we will do our best to try to reach out either to the, the DOT offices or to our state representatives and, and state Senator to say, Hey, can you help us out with, with taking a look at this? Um, and I, it, it works. Uh, it works well. I think that you've seen recently, there's the, some pushback from, from one group that, that, originally a roundabout was going to go in now they're saying hey we, we don't think that's a, a, the best idea and they're going back and forth with the with the state and and the the un- upcoming project through through town to one way those that's a major major project major undertaking multi-year project the dot is looking at and and you know we provided early on feedback but we really um have to live with with their decision and we have to try to figure out how do we make that work within our road system the best we can once it once it starts so that's the the goal is how do we all make them work together what's going to improve that traffic flow so man well i appreciate you guys getting into the weeds with this it's again very detail oriented i'm glad to have you all to break it down but before we wrap up the conversation do you guys have any final thoughts or remarks you would like to give the public about uh, our roads be patient <laughs> we we are trying and and we're not you know like i said before we're we don't have a deaf ear to you but i mean there's just so much money that we have we just have so much so few resources and you know whether it be money whether it be manpower um we're not trying to ignore you we're just trying to work through it methodically and you know try to uh maintain the system as a whole not just you know what's in front of your house we have to look at the whole system as a whole and try to you know, make our major roads last longer and we have to, you know, try to preserve these uh, over here, you know, until they can get a little bit more spent on them. So, like I said, just be patient with us. You know, we're not ignoring you, but uh, we've just got to allocate our resources responsibly. I, I completely agree. I think patience is the, the one, it's the hardest thing to ask for, but it's the one thing that that we ask for is to just kind of be understanding that we're we're doing what we can to try to improve it and we're just having to improve it one mile at a time so we'll hopefully get there soon well chris stansel is the pickens county board of commissioners chairman and kirk anderson is a public works director guys thank you for sitting down and answering some questions today thank you thank you very much